0: While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century.
1: Welcome everyone to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm Vicki Nethling, your host, and here today to share topics and guests that will help you grow as a confident leader and take your business or your life to the next level. Today, I am very pleased to have an energetic, entertaining guest, Mr. Danny Brassel. Let me tell you a little bit about this gentleman. He is a, a highly sought-after speaker, trainer, and coach known as the Jim Carrey, right there you had me, with a PhD. Dr. Danny has spoken in over 3000 uh, to 3000 audiences worldwide and authored 16 books including his latest Leadership Begins with Motivation he is a co-founder of begins with mo I'm sorry he is a co-founder of www.thereadinghabit.com and reading is all caps so again the readinghabit.com the world's largest in reading engagement program I chose today, uh, I kind of combined some of the titles that Danny had suggested, and I wanted to do leadership and communication. So please join me in welcoming Mr. or Dr. Danny Brassel.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Vicki, and thanks for all you do to spread a little bit of joy in the world. Uh, We need it nowadays.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Get us in the positive mindset. (laughs) I always start out with the easy question, and that is, tell everybody what part of the country do you call home?
2: Well, now I'm, I'm spending part of my time in Denver, Colorado, and the other half in uh, Los Angeles, California, but I'm usually on the road on an airplane somewhere.
1: <laughs> so COVID must have really uh, hampered your style for a little bit there.
2: Actually, COVID was a true blessing. I, I, I had this ability to always take negatives and turn them into positives. And what I loved about uh, the pandemic was it really got me to uh, prioritize my family a lot more. And uh, it was wonderful, actually.
1: <laughs> you know, that's what I had said to somebody on a podcast recently is that to me, it was God's way of saying, y'all need to slow down. Yeah. And if you're not going to listen to me, then this is what we're going to do. And people did reprioritize understand reconnect and slow down and I think in a lot of ways years from now we're going to see how it helped us indeed so this is the next question I have is one that always intrigues me I love to read and when I got married until I had children which was nine years later I noticed my husband never read, and here's this man has two masters. <laughs> he never read. Now that's changed. Uh, sitting by a pool, watching kids, and being bored, I guess it got him reading. But why don't people read?
2: That's a great question, Vicky. I, I think uh, I'll, I'll share an anecdote from my own experience because uh, it's ironic. I'm now considered America's leading reading ambassador. And the reason that's ironic is I grew up hating reading. Yeah. My, father, my father was a librarian. I always hated the public library. It always smelled funny to me. Yeah. The, the furniture was uncomfortable. There was always mm. some elderly woman telling me to be quiet. There was, there was always some freaky homeless guy who thought he was a vampire hanging out by the shelves. I always hated mm. the public library. It wasn't until I started teaching in the inner city and I noticed that a lot of my students didn't have a lot of the advantages that I had growing up. And mm-hmm. I said, shame on me. I took a lot of things for granted, Vicky." I mean, I was mm-hmm. blessed. Both of my parents were in the home. Uh, we were lower middle class, but we always had food on the table. Yeah. My parents always read to us, in front of us, and with us. And uh, I think... Getting to your question, I I always share this anecdote. When I was in high school, I was forced to read The Scarlet Letter by Nathaniel Hawthorne. And no Mm -hmm. offense to people that love The Scarlet Letter. It's fine. Uh, The book is about um, Hester Prynne has committed adultery. And so she's forced to wear an A on her chest. And I raised my hand in class and I asked my teacher if I could wear a B on my chest because I was so bored reading that book. Uh And... uh I truly believe that people like your husband, the reason they hated reading was because they were forced to read things that were of no interest to them. And the reason that he reads now is that he reads things that do interest him. I mean, the Mm -hmm. happiest day of my life, besides my wedding day, was when I earned my PhD my wife asked, why are you so happy? And I I said, because from now on, (laughs) I pick the books. And I'm so much happier that way. And I really think that... uh, You know, schools do an adequate job of teaching kids how to read. But the question I ask is, what good is it teaching kids how to read if they never want to read, I teach kids why to read, because I've never had to tell a kid, go watch TV. I've never had to tell a kid, go play a video game. And mm-hmm. I never want to have to tell a kid, go read a book. I want them to choose to do it on mm-hmm. their own. And so that's really my passion. And uh, you would know this uh, in all of your interviews with all these leaders. I mean, there are plenty of readers that don't become effective leaders necessarily, yeah. but I can't name one effective leader that is not also an avid reader. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I know um, Jeff Olson is one of my mentors and he's like, read 10 pages a day of motivate, not crap, you know, but motivational things, things that are uplifting your mind. And um, it just does make a difference. When my youngest was in first grade, it was just at the time where the focus went from where you were learning to read in first grade and second grade to you were learning to read now in preschool. And so that, that went from the three years of my first child to my second child, that was a, a surprise to me. And my daughter, when she saw that, that the, the little boy across the table from her in first grade was reading at a fifth grade level,
0: uh-huh.
1: she decided she wasn't gonna read. Mm. She, she wasn't going to be embarrassed and she wasn't, you know, she didn't know. And it was interesting. I did all kinds of creative things because the teacher didn't have time to do that with all the other things she had in the class. So I had books, uh, you know, gave my daughter video bucks if she would do things in the classroom, but what got her reading was me sitting and reading Harry Potter because it came Mm. out just then. And as you said, you know, with your parents, the more you read and you showed the fun. And, and that's when she found that genre that loved, you know, got her interest. That's what got her hooked on reading. And she would read the whole, you know, long volumes of Harry Potter in a, a couple days. But it's just getting that interest peaked.
2: Yeah. The research is really clear on this, Vicky. It doesn't matter what you read. What matters is how much you read. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're reading James Joyce or James and the Giant Peach. People who read more read better. I always point out to parents, the little boy who only reads captain underpants (laughs) is going that boy is going to be a better reader than a little boy who refuses to read anything captain underpants is the gateway drug to shakespeare but we (laughs) got to find something that gets the kid excited i mean when i was teaching second grade i've taught all ages from preschoolers Mm -hmm. all the way up to rocket scientists and in second grade i had this little boy kiara Mm -hmm. and kiara uh, his his first grade teacher told me Kiara don't know nothing. I'm like, well, oh, thank, God. Thank, you, thank thank you, thank you for that. Yeah. That's well, awesome. well K- Kiara who don't know nothing comes into my classroom <laughs> one day and he's like, hey, Mr. Bissell, you see Barkley last night? He had 18 points and 16 boards. I'm like, thank you, Kiara, because from that point on, every day after mm-hmm. lunch, I'd sit Kiara on my lap and we'd read the L.A. Times sports page together. Nice. And wouldn't you know it, Vicky? By the end of the year, Kiara was one of my best readers. Oh, know and it drives me nuts when I hear these people. Oh, I, I mean, uh, as an adult, Vicky. Do you tell people, you know, when I was in first grade, I was at a seventh grade reading level. I mean, uh, (laughs) It's ridiculous. Uh, When you apply to Harvard University, there's no place on the application where it asks, when did you learn how to read? Mm -hmm. You just know how to read. And I always tell this to parents that are freaking out. I'm like, you know, some kids learn. I mean, I I know people that their kids were reading when they were age one. And I know kids that it took them till age 10. You know, all of us are in that pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been to Parties where you know you have that friend that says, "Oh, my my three year old just composed a <laughs> symphony," and I'm like, "Well, my son has learned how to pick his nose with two fingers at the same time." <laughs> yeah, I, 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 Teddy Roosevelt said, "Comparison is the thief of joy," and I, I don't compare people to one another. I compare yeah. you to how you were yesterday. <laughs>
1: That's so true. So true. So I think we kind of talked about this, but you've mentioned that you've, you've dealt with all different ages. What do you do to get those people to read more? You know, what are some motivators that you would give to a middle schooler or a college student, you know?
2: Yeah. So that's a good question, Vicky. So I, I constantly read aloud to people. Doesn't matter if they're in the womb, or if they're in the boardroom, <laughs> I, I read aloud stories all the time. I grew up listening to Paul Harvey on the radio. Oh uh, yeah, Paul, yeah, yeah. Paul Harvey passed away a couple of years ago at the age of three hundred and twenty-five years <laughs> old. But I, I used to look forward to twelve fifteen every day. He'd come mm-hmm. on the radio and say, "I'm Paul Harvey with the rest." The story, uh, yeah, and he so tell you these stories, and you're the whole time you're leaning in trying to figure out who's he talking about or what company is he talking about. And so I had a whole bunch of uh, books by Paul Harvey that I, I read to students, uh, and uh, the kids always liked them. But the problem with a lot of those books is Paul is talking about like the founders of Sears Roebuck, <laughs> and kids in 2022 <laughs> are like, "What is Sears and Roebuck?" Yeah. And so. When I, um, over the pandemic, that was one of my little projects is I wrote, my latest book is called Leadership Begins with Motivation. And it's basically an homage to Paul Harvey, where it's all these inspirational short stories about people, companies, places, and things like that. But it's updated. So it's about people like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. But it was interesting, Vicki, after I wrote the book, I read the book, and completely unintentionally, I'm looking at my stories, and so many of them were about white male Americans. Mm -hmm. And so the book that I'm writing right now is primarily female minorities and international examples because yeah. i think it's really important for people to hear inspiring stories from all over the place and i completely agree with your your mentor that uh, you need to feed yourself with positive things i was watching a horrible show on tv the other night called um the news and uh, <laughs> It totally depressed
1: me. Yeah, I don't And I it. always
2: tell people, you know, if you need a smile on your face, read a funny children's picture book. I think yeah. we underestimate, like, uh, if you read the Harry Potter books... Uh, Uh, I always ask people, have you ever read Harry Potter? And people, some people say no. And I'm like, wow, you're so lucky because you have a chance to read it for the first time. And I remember my first time reading the very first one Mm -hmm. and I was just giggling in bed. And my wife's like, why are you giggling? I'm like, this woman is so creative. There are so many things are amazing. And then the scene where Harry, he's looking into the mirror and he sees his parents that are deceased. I'm like, whoa, this isn't just, fun reading this is going to be mm-hmm. literature they're going mm-hmm. to teach this 200 years from now and so uh i just love those types of stories and i think people are really denying themselves uh some of my favorite authors today are, are children's picture book authors yeah. and it makes me a lot happier reading those books <laughs> than reading about the latest political catastrophe <laughs> yeah
1: for sure <laughs> so true we we are again we keep on touching on what i want to talk about next, but it's good that we're doing this. I I know in my career as a project manager and now as a speaker, trainer and coach, being able to be comfortable in reading is really important because say you have to to go up in front and read a, a bio on somebody. And if you stumble through it, then that doesn't make you look, very good. And the more you read, the more comfortable you are in reading. But why else is reading important?
2: Well, I mean, you and I are in the leadership business. And, uh, you know, there's no successful leaders that aren't avid readers. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things I point out to people is over half of the Fortune 500 CEOs are dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things when I'm working with people with reading disabilities, and everybody has to understand that all reading disabilities are curable, and mm-hmm. the most commonly undiagnosed reading disability is dyslexia, but mm-hmm. dyslexics tend to process information really well through their ears, auditory-wise, and so one of the things I always suggest to people is, well, why don't you listen up? To- Books on tape, audible books. Uh, you know, there's so many apps today. Uh, there's my favorite app in the world is Libby. Uh, Libby allows me to check out audio books from my library all yeah. the time. And so while I'm driving, I'm also uh, listening to to something meaningful. that's positive. Uh, I I look at leaders. It doesn't matter what the field is. If you look at uh, in the military, people like General Patton, General Schwartzkopf, General Schwarzkopf mm-hmm. Uh, could read in four languages and quote Shakespeare voraciously. You look in uh, industry and in business. Uh, Warren Buffett, his entire day is spent reading. Uh, Elon Musk, even though he's the wealthiest person in the world and is running four billion-dollar companies, he reads at least a book a day, sometimes up to three books a day. Um, you look at uh, in entertainment. Uh, you know, how are you going to read a script? without having Mm -hmm. good reading ability. You look in government. uh, President Obama always relaxed by reading. Uh, A lot of people forget the story that President Kennedy was at a press conference one day and somebody asked him what he was reading. And he said, oh, I'm reading this really cool spy novel about this agent called uh, 007, James Bond. (laughs) And because of that press conference, MGM bought the rights to the to the the series and that's why they filmed those movies was because of an offhand comment by the president Uh, that's crazy um, you you look in in athletics i i was speaking once at an event and uh nfl super bowl winning coach uh, tony dungy was there and he gave this great speech where he emphasizes to to boys that want to play in the NFL. He's like, well, how do you make it into the NFL? He's like, you got to go to college. And how do you make it into college? Well, you got to pass your high school. And how do you do that? You got to learn how to read. And he said, there's really no difference athletically. Once you get up to the professional level, he's like, the difference is in your mind, and he's like, most of our time is spent reading and figuring out things about the tendencies of the other teams. Um, LeBron James, before his first uh, NBA championship with the Miami Heat, they Mm -hmm. showed him in the locker room reading Suzanne Collins' book, The Hunger (laughs) Games. And I could have kissed the man. I'm like, you just did more for literacy with that shot than I can ever do. And so I tell people, it doesn't matter what you're doing. And I think the other problem I have in society is people... They, they tend to think that reading means reading Dostoevsky. It's the yeah. same thing as when I'm training a writer. I'm like, your, your book doesn't have to be 850 pages. I mean, yeah. some of the best books I've ever read are 125 pages. People forget uh, Watson and Crick, their, their paper on the double helix on DNA was a grand total of one page. You know, <laughs> uh, more doesn't mean better. Uh, and reading doesn't always have to be a novel. I mean, reading can be technical reading. There's people that like you and me that are fairly educated and we read voraciously, yeah. but I don't know about you, Vicki, but you can give me a technical guide and I still can't get my dang uh, DVD player to show the right time because <laughs> I don't understand how to do it. Uh, I'm not that sure, but there's plenty of people that read technical things. Mm-hmm. There's people that can read... Uh, sports pages better than others or or a a cookbook you know these are all types of reading when i hear people talking about a literacy crisis i'm like oh that's a bunch of garbage i mean people today are reading so much more now it might be the social media it might be uh reading on your ipad or something but let's let's get rid of these definitions from Mm -hmm. 100 years ago i mean let's broaden the uh the definition of what literacy really means
1: and you know, and look at what reading does for you. To me, the reason I love to read is it transports me to a different place or time. And you know, especially coming from a small town, it was it was my outlet. and And now, you know, as, a, Whenever I was uh, a mom with young kids, it was my way to just like, okay, the problems are over there. I'm just going to go and read this romantic novel or something right, right here that's not taking a lot of brain cells for me, but it's really relaxing me and making me happy. And and so I think even graphic novels and things like that, the the younger kids, they're they're comic books with a story and a plot and great color and and it, if it gets them reading, then. More to it. My, my daughter learned Korean using graphic novel.
2: Wow. I'm, I'm a Baptist in your front row just saying amen. <laughs> I love everything you're talking about, Vicki.
1: So what role do we have to play as promoters of leadership, of reading
2: Well, so uh, you had mentioned in your very nice intro for me, one of the things I do is uh, I have the world's top reading engagement program, which in just over two months, 67 days, I'll show parents with via videos every day for about five minutes I show them ways to get their kids excited about reading because mm-hmm. the more excited you are to read the more likely you are to read mm-hmm. and the more you read the better you get now people that run, go through our program the typical student improves their reading ability by two to three grade levels wow. which is all fine and good but that's not what gets me excited what's near and dear to me what's important to my heart is that kids that hated reading now love reading yeah. and so no matter what school does to get them to Hate reading for the rest of their lives, they'll be readers. And so I like to just give all kinds of tips to parents. And there's two numbers I always tell parents are important. So those numbers are 67 and 20. So Mm -hmm. the number 67, a lot of people will tell you it takes 21 days to change a habit. And to those people, I say, Show me the research on that. It's a completely (laughs) fabricated number. I actually know where the number comes from. It comes from a wonderful book written in 1960 by Dr. Maxwell Maltz called Psycho-Cybernetics. Now, Dr. Maltz was a plastic surgeon, and in the preface of the book, he wrote that he noticed it took most of his patients about 21 days to get used to their new face. Well, a lot of personal development self-help gurus A lot of people that I admire, by the way, they started telling people it takes 21 days to change a habit, and that's completely nonsense. Well, in 2009, the University of London did a habit formation study, and they determined it took anywhere from 18 to 254 days to change a habit and the average was 66 days. Now, I don't like the number 66, so I threw in a bonus day, 67, 67 <laughs> days. And it depends on the type of habit you're trying to change. So, for mm-hmm. example, if you want to drink a glass of water before breakfast, that might take about 18 days to form that habit. Mm-hmm. But if you want to quit smoking, that's going to take 254 days. And here's why this is important, Vicki. Let's say you go on a diet and you follow it religiously for 21 days. But on day 22, you fall off the wagon. Well, you blame yourself and that's wrong because the research shows that it takes on average at least three times longer than that to firmly establish a habit. So that's the first number I want parents to remember. The second number is 20. So researchers were trying to figure out characteristics of successful students around the world and they stumbled upon something that just blew them away. It was the number of minutes spent reading outside of school. So they looked at the low kids, the average kids and the high kids. The low kids, the kids in the bottom 20th percentile, uh, they average less than a minute a day of reading outside of school. That didn't surprise anybody. It's probably why the kids are at the bottom of the class. But this did startle the researchers. The kids in the middle of the class, the C students, your 70th Mm -hmm. percentile average students, they average 9.6 minutes a day reading outside of school. And so if I'm doing a live training with parents, this is when the room gets real quiet and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden a person raises their hand and says, Wait a sec. are you saying if I can get my kid to read 10 minutes a day at home, I can take him from an <laughs> F to a C? That's exactly what I'm saying. There's a lot of research to support this, but this blew away the researchers even more. The kids near the top of the class, the 90th percentile, A-level minus students, do they spend three hours a day reading outside of school? No. Is it one hour a day? No. The average was just over 20 minutes a day. My entire mission is to help you find those 20 minutes a day. And here's two things that are great. First of all, the minutes don't have to be consecutive. So you need yeah. three minutes here, five minutes here. And second of all, being read aloud to is just as important as reading on your own. So let's say it takes you 10 minutes each way to take your kids to school. We'll t- put in an audible book and, they, and listen to it. You've just covered your 20 minutes. And so yeah. those are the things I'm trying to train parents. And, you know, so some one of the big tips I love to give parents, um, I'll deal with some parents that will tell me, oh, I have nothing to read at home. I'm like, oh, you do. <laughs> um, President Bush Sr. 30 years ago signed a very important law in the United States. It says every television set in America has to have closed captioning. Yeah. So one of the first tips I give to parents is turn on the closed captioning on your TV. And people will say, well, wait a sec. If the show's in English and the subtitles are in English, what good does that do? And I'm like, well, that's a fair point. But let me make a point. How often have you ever watched a show with subtitles and not read the subtitles? That's very difficult to do. Your brain is directed towards that text. And there's research to support this. If you look at reading scores around the world, the more kids watch TV, the lower the reading scores are in every single country in the world except for one. The country where the kids watch the most TV also has the highest reading scores in the world. It's Finland. And people ask me, well, how can that be, Danny? I'm like, well, because Finland makes really bad TV shows. And so (laughs) what they have to do is they have to import old episodes of Gilligan's Island and the Mm -hmm. Brady Bunch, and they put them on there with subtitles, and the kids are constantly reading. So that's an easy one for any parent out there. Uh, I mean, I have three kids of my own, and I just established certain habits with my kids when they were little. So, for example, I have a feeling television is here to stay, and... The rule in our house is before the kids turn on the TV, they have to bring me something to read to them. And so when they were little, I'd bring them, they'd bring me like a picture book and we'd read that before they turned on the TV. Now my kids are all teenagers. And so, you know, they'll bring me something on their iPad, a short little article that they read, uh, something like that. And we'll read those together. Um, When my kids were really little, uh, I'd always be making them uh, their lunches while they were eating breakfast. And so I'd open up my laptop, there's a great uh, website sponsored free of charge by the uh, Screen Actors Guild called StorylineOnline.net, where they get all these different entertainers reading aloud books to the kids for 15 Mm -hmm. minutes and each read aloud is closed caption, you know. I'm covering 15 minutes while the kids are eating breakfast and they're getting books read aloud by like Jason Alexander and Lou Diamond Phillips and <laughs> Haley Duff and uh, like award winning books like Stella Luna and uh, Somebody Loves You, Mr. Hatches, all kinds of wonderful books on there. And so these are just, I, I, I understand it's not easy being a parent, you know, it was either Socrates or uh, Keanu Reeves who once said, uh, <laughs> you license to fish a license to drive a car, but it any idiot can become a parent. Well, now that I'm a parent, that's been proven true, but in, in defense of parents, nobody gives them a manual at the hospital. And so one of my jobs as Mm -hmm. an educator is to show parents, you know, and right now I don't, I don't speak as often to the, uh, to the educators as I used to. Now I'm speaking a lot more with business leaders, you know, because one of the th- you and I both do this. We both teach people how to speak, and so what mm-hmm. I'll do is I, I help a lot of executives and entrepreneurs mm-hmm. how to take their presentations and ramp them up to another level so that they they can increase their sales and their business with others. But all of these people, their parents and they have no idea what to do with their kids. And they, a, a lot of people depend on the public school system to yeah. help their kids. And I'm like, well, that's a mistake because yeah. you, you mentioned that earlier, a teacher's overwhelmed. If you got 30 mm-hmm. kids in your classroom, trying to give each of those kids that individual attention is not, it's not possible. Right. And so what we have to do is give people some techniques, some, some quick little strategies. Here's a strategy. You know, uh, and this is what you and I do. We, we teach people positive habits. And the mm-hmm. way you do that is, well, it's called habit stacking. What's mm-hmm. something that you do right now? And how can I put this good habit and stack it in with this habit that you already have? So this is my long answer to your short question, <laughs> Vicki.
1: <laughs> but as you were going through your answer, one of the things I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old uh, grandsons. And they both love video games and to watch Disney on my phone Mm -hmm. or on the switch. And I put closed captions on that. And the the video games are great too, because they will ask questions of the person thinking that they can read. And so the, my six year old can read really well right now because he's been asking for the last four years, what does that say? What does that say? so um yeah you have closed caption and even the cartoons
2: well that's the way you do it i mean i think it's it's silly i i see teachers they'll assign a kid a worksheet and the kid is miserable doing the worksheet they might not even do the worksheet they hate Mm -hmm. it where i say well wait a second that kid likes video games why don't you say instead of doing the worksheet i want you to create your own video game and i bet you the kid is going to learn a lot more skills. They're going to spend a lot of time on their own because they're so excited about yeah. the activity. Uh, this just, uh, I. It, it. It frustrates me and I I don't blame the teachers because teachers are handcuffed. Everybody loves to dump on teachers. You know, I invite any critic of teachers to do their job for one week. I mean, I I thought the pandemic, I thought that uh, since millions of parents around America Mm -hmm. were going to be forced to involuntarily homeschool their kids, that they'd give teacher raises across the board because uh, you think it's tough enough working with your own kids. Think about having 33 of them in your classroom and they're all different. Um, you know, and that, and that's good. I, I don't understand why people, our education system, for some reason, likes making everybody the same. And I'm Aww. like, that's that's a problem. I mean, I'm a very well read person. I read biographies all the time. And one of the things that cracks me up when I'm reading biographies of success, successful people is I'm looking at one common characteristic. Most of them dropped out of school. And I'm like, what happened? Why did school not serve that kid? How can we serve those people that we're losing? I mean, when I hear politicians talk about education, I'm like, well, that's that's a total joke. I mean, there's no one answer. When somebody Mm -hmm. asks me, Danny, what do you think, public school or charter school? My answer is yes. It depends on the kids. Some kids... Some kids, it's a vocational school. Some kids, it's a magnet school. Some kids, it's homeschooling. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what it is that gets every single kid. You know, if I'm working with little boys and the little boy tells me he likes soccer, well, I'm going to design a program around soccer. And if another little boy tells me video games, we're going to design it around video games. Mm-hmm. I was with a, when I used to work at a, as a preschool teacher, I had this little boy, um, his name was Francisco. And people thought Francisco was stupid because he couldn't say his name. He'd be like, I'm like, what's your name? He's like, Flan, Flan, Flan. And then I show him a book with a a dinosaur and he's like, Tyrannosaurus Rex. I'm like, dude, you can't pronounce your first name but you can pronounce a multi-syllabic dinosaur (laughs) name. I mean, he's interested in that. So Francisco, who everybody thought was stupid. I'm like, ask Francisco about Stegosaurus. That kid knows every damn fact about the Stegosaurus. (laughs) So don't tell me that kid's stupid. Yeah. I mean he's just he's smart in a different type of way. And I I think that should be celebrated. I I, I yeah. truly believe that. I, that that's what I think is great about America. I I believe that the strength of our country is our diversity. Think about mm-hmm. this Vicky, if all of us were the same, the pandemic would have wiped us out. Yeah. But we're yeah. different and we should be celebrating that.
1: Well, and everything that you were just saying is what crushes our creativity and the innovation of our youth, which become non-creative and and non-innovative adults. And when you're put in that workforce, it, it just is, is a bad scene because they don't know how to be. You know, brainstorming sessions are painful for some people yeah. because they never were able to be creative as they yeah. were growing
2: we're losing too many kids, Vicki. I mean, I look at it and I love kids. They're just brilliant. They have, yeah. I always say there's two types of teachers. There's the kind of say that's wrong. And there's the kind of ask, why did you say that? It's mm-hmm. a, this, is a good, yeah. this is a good tip for leaders, by the way, all leaders should be looking at where can I find the strengths of everybody in my team? Cause everybody exactly. has something that they can contribute. Uh, same thing with kids. I mean, um, uh, I've known this ever since I was a kid. When I was in kindergarten, Sister Rosanna asked us one day if we all wanted to go to heaven, and all of us raised our hands except for Hector. And she looks at Hector. She's like, "You don't want to go to heaven, Hector?" And he's like, "Oh, I thought you were talking about today." <laughs> he's right. He's just <laughs> looking at her it's question crazy. from a totally different point of view, you know. And kids are kids are brilliant like that. Yeah. I, 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 I listen to kids constantly. I'm like, wow. I mean, I look at one of my favorite movies is Apollo 13, the true story of the Apollo astronauts that were stranded. And my favorite part of the movie is there's a scene where there's scientists, he's like, well, we got to fit this square in this circle and yeah. this is all that they have on board on that ship. And we've got one hour to figure it out or else they die. Right. And the guys figured it out. It's because they, they had to think differently. They had to think creatively yeah. and we should, we should be, it bothers me that we try, again it's cogs in a wheel. We're just we're trying to make everybody the same, and I this is where the education system's not serving us so well anymore because we're not creating factory workers anymore. We're in a post-information society, and you know kids have to learn how to code and they have to learn about technology and things like that. And are we properly preparing our kids? And I, I I mean I used to I I used to tutor underachieving geniuses. Uh, I've always referred to all of my students as underachieving geniuses, but <laughs> twice I actually did uh, work with underachieving geniuses. And this one little boy I worked with, Tyler, at age 12, was getting interviewed by Google for a job at Google. And the interview was one of the most fascinating interviews I'd ever heard. They they gave him a telephone book and they said, well, what are the odds you open up the book to Smith? And he had to give them calculations on, well, how he would figure that out. They asked, uh, here's a thermometer how can you measure the Empire State Building with this thermometer? And I'm sitting there like, I have no No, idea. And Tyler comes up with like 30 different, I mean, the kid was amazing. He's like, well, you could drop it from the top and measure the time it took for it to hit the bottom. Oh, you could, you could put it next to the, you could put it next to the Empire State Building and look at the sun and base it based on that you know i mean i'm just sitting there like i had no idea and then my favorite one he came up with he's like oh or you could go to the basement of the empire state building <laughs> find, find the uh, superintendent of the building and say hey i'll give you this brand new thermometer if you tell me how tall this building is and i'm like how did you just think of all of those possibilities and it, it makes me feel I, I was actually i was excited um You know, uh, we're we're celebrating the anniversary of 9-11, one of the worst things ever to happen. But, uh, you know, there's I always look at the positives that come out of things. I mean, uh, for three weeks after 9-11, not a single person flipped me off on the freeway. Uh, People were civil to one another. That was a beautiful moment. Um, But um, one of the things I liked was President Bush Jr. when he was president right after 9-11. One of the things he did is he he invited a whole bunch of Hollywood writers To the white house to give him scenarios of worst case scenarios of things that a a country could do to to destroy our country and i'm like wow that's creative he got people that get paid for a living to think of these horrible Mm -hmm. oh robots will take us over whatever but i'm like oh that was really good though he got people giving him scenarios so that we could figure out Mm -hmm. ways to prevent that i was like that that's that's the kind of thinking i want i want to be Mm -hmm. around people that aren't afraid to surround themselves with people that think a lot differently than them
1: and that all leads us back to the more you read, the more yeah. you know, mm-hmm. the more you think of the possibilities. Absolutely. So how do we develop entrepreneurs and executives that um, will be creative, innovative, and, and great leaders?
2: Well, so Tom Peters, the great speaker, he says that some of the uh... – the best uh, leaders they're they're reading fiction all the time they're thinking uh, you know I, I thought it was great when you're talking about when you had little kids you you, sometimes you just need to read a romance novel mm-hmm. get you thinking. Um, I, I like that. I think people need a mix of uh, fiction and nonfiction. I think that's where we're losing a lot of kids in schools. The kid that doesn't want to read, you know, a separate piece by John Knowles might be mm. interested in reading a, a biography on Abraham Lincoln or uh, you know, uh, reading a marketing book by Dan Kennedy, mm. uh, something like that. I think. And that's what you see with a lot of the the people that you and I are encountering in in roles of leadership is, uh, I I mean, I've never seen a single corporation say, oh, we need you. We need you to read The Catcher in the Rye by by tomorrow morning. No, they don't Mm -hmm. do that. They're like, we need you to uh, think of a way that we can increase our output in operations in in Indonesia or something I mean <laughs> when I'm reading about people like uh, I mean you read about Andrew Carnegie Andrew Carnegie was amazing like he goes to US hes runs US steel he's uh, one day uh, he asked like the workers how many I don't remember what he was calling it but he was like how many shifts did you just do and they were like oh we produced five and so he takes a piece of chalk and on the sidewalk he writes five. And the next crew comes and they're like, why is there this five on the sidewalk? And the crew is like, oh, that's how many shifts we were able to create in our, our last shift. And they get all angry. And so at the end of their shift, they erase the five and they they come up with eight. Oh. And then, then the next shift, they come, they're like, what's that eight? They're like, well, that's how many shifts. And so then they they erase it and it's like 12. And so in 24 hours, Andrew Carnegie doubled the efficiency of this plant just by that simple gesture. Yeah. Um, I was listening to a, an interview with Steve Wynn, uh, the, the owner of all the Wynn casinos. He has over 13,000 employees, but he never has an employee of the month. Instead, what he does is he, he gets all the employees to share their stories of uh, incredible, extraordinary service. And what hmm. happens is when a person hears another person bragging, hmm. oh, well, I, I, I helped guide this person through the casino and showed them exactly where their room was. Well, then a, a person's like, well, I gave a free dessert to this kid on their birthday. And then the next person, well, wait a sec, I cleaned the room and I made sure to put three mints on the pillow. And all of a sudden they're just getting competitive and, and they're showing each other, well, this is what positive behavior mm-hmm. is, Where is what we need. We need a lot more of that. I mean, uh, you know, when I was a school administrator, I always ran, I, I replaced faculty meetings with potlucks because nobody likes faculty meetings. Yeah, They like, they like potlucks. Mm-hmm. And so during our weekly potluck, I'd run it like King Arthur. Now, anybody remembers King Arthur, the rule was when the Knights were sitting at the round table, they were only allowed to talk about their triumphs in the field. And if any of the Knights had a problem, they would share their problem with the group. And the rest of the Knights would go around and offer possible solutions to the problem, as opposed to most faculty meetings or business meetings where it's it's usually just yeah it's usually just people griping about my life's tougher than your Mm -hmm. life you're never going to get anything accomplished doing things like that i mean you used to work with ups ups has all kinds of uh policies and procedures that crack me Mm -hmm. up i mean i think i don't know if if they still do this but for a long time company-wide the the policy was every day you only had the 180 second stand-up meeting. Where at any oh, level of the company, you weren't <laughs> you weren't allowed. Yeah, that stinks because it was the smartest thing ever. It's like you have to get it all done in three minutes. You're all standing, and then we're going to work. I mean, that was a great policy. Uh, after UPS flights, pilots fill out a form called a gripe sheet, which tells mechanics about problems with the aircraft. And I mean, there, there was all kinds of things that they used to do. But I'm, that's what I'm always looking for. And then what happens is what it sounds like has already happened with UPS is then somebody else takes over the leadership role and they try to make their own mark and they screw everything up and it mm. destroys the culture. And it's a bummer. Uh, I've seen it with too many companies, but uh, you know, every now, I mean, I'll tell you a great story about a company leader. Uh, the guy that used to run Costco, Costco was considering uh, Costco is a, a, a top 50 company people yeah. don't realize that i mean costco most of their money it has the reason their products are so cheap is that's not where they make their money they make their money on the memberships and yeah. the reason they have great memberships is because it's the most incredible company ever i my wife she convinced me to get a costco membership i i gotta admit this vicky before i was a member of costco i didn't know you could return merchandise i mean uh, <laughs> And and when I when I started returning things at Costco, I'm like, well, this is stupid that they take these returns. And then I started thinking about, it, like, no, it's not, because I only shop at Costco because I trust them a hundred percent. And the the new leader of uh, Costco wanted to raise the price of the hot dog and the soda from above a dollar fifty, and it was great. The old the old CEO is like, over my dead body, you're never raising that. We've kept that the same for fifty years, and I'm like, that's cool company culture yeah Uh, so i i don't know i i I always like to celebrate the the ones that are i mean i fly airplanes all the time i'm on united constantly and uh (laughs) well this is kind of a funny story i was i I had my up in the air moment i actually sat next to uh jeff smizik who's a former ceo of united airlines right and he couldn't believe that i recognized him and uh I'm like, uh, dude, I see you on the, on the video every single week. I, mean, <laughs> I, I see you more than I see my wife. <laughs> and uh, I, on the, at the end of the video, he'd always say, if I could personally meet and greet every single one of you, I'd say, thank you for flying United. And so they shut the door and I looked at him like, Jeff, I just saw 200 people get on this plane. I didn't see you say thank you to any of them. And he got mad at me and I'm like, dude, it's a joke, you know. Uh, if I was flying southwest. He probably would Herb Kelleher would have made me vice president for that comment. And so then I had to I had to spend the rest of the flight giving him positive examples from United and I I mean I had a pilot once uh my next book's going to be called The Best Years of My Life Were Wasted at O'Hare International Airport in Chicago. Um, I got on a plane once at O'Hare. I was one of the first people on the plane. It was really cold, and I felt, uh-oh, this is bad. It took about 45 minutes for everybody to get on the plane, and the pilot gets on board and says, I'm not taking this plane and so we all have to deboard we have to get reticketed we have to go to another terminal to get our other plane this takes there's like handicapped people and elderly people this takes five hours vicky and so we get on the other plane same crew same pilot and you could feel it in the air people were ready to light the torches (laughs) what's this what's this pilot gonna say and he gets on and he's like you ever have one of those days people and everybody starts laughing and he's like, you know, I can tell you all the things that just went wrong the last four hours, but the fact is we screwed up. I am so sorry. I am so grateful you are flying United. We're going to make this the best flight you've ever had. We really appreciate you flying United. And I'm like, wow, what a leader. Yeah he just did everything you're supposed to do he took responsibility for the problem he apologized and he said we're going to get better and i I guarantee you he took 300 complaints and turned them into at least 50 letters i know i wrote a letter to united saying this guy just handled this incredibly and uh so i those are the things when i'm reading i want to to get back to your original question if (laughs) i'm an entrepreneur or a business leader I'm reading things that are going to encourage me. I want to see perspectives. What are some examples of superior service or if I need to marketing support? Okay, I need to read about marketing. Oh, psychology. Oh, I'm going to read uh, this. I'm going to read Robert Cialdini's books. Uh, anything he writes is, is just gold. Yeah. Uh, you talked about at the beginning, uh, mindset, Carol Dweck, uh, all of her research into mindset. I think these are important things that people have to read. And these are the books they don't tell you to read at school. I mean, yeah. Thinking think Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill it was written the 1930s just as just as useful today as it was back then uh, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie I mean these books are 70 years old but the wisdom is just as applicable today as it was yeah. back then
1: Much better than Beowulf <laughs> oh,
2: I can't stand Beowulf I hated that
1: book <laughs> it was like, It's a wonder anyone in 12th grade ever read again Oh <sighs> Okay, it is time for rapid fire. So here's where we will just give you a word or phrase and you give me a just a quick response as to what comes top of your mind. No wrong answers. To this.
2: this is going to get me in trouble.
1: <laughs> so what's your best memory from teaching?
2: Yeah. Um... I had a little boy when I taught uh, kindergarten Jose and on the first day of school, he was crying because he didn't want to leave his mom. Mm-hmm. And on the last day of school, he was crying. Cause he didn't want to leave me.
1: <laughs> I have a nursery as a, for the church. And that's the thing. It's the the best thing is, you know, as you said, the first day they're crying and crying and it's like, it's okay, mom, I got this, I got this. And then later, Whenever they're sitting on your lap and they're calling you mom,
2: yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh. those are precious moments.
1: Storytelling as your secret weapon.
2: Storytelling is my secret weapon. Absolutely, this is what I, you know, uh, when I'm training uh, people how to become better speakers. Actually, I did this with my son the other day. He was giving a speech, and I'm like, "You should have asked me to help you out. This is a boring speech." The way he he was so. Uh, he had to talk about a famous person. And he was so into giving all these facts about a person. Like people forget facts. They remember stories. You know, you have to mm-hmm. touch them. You have to move them. And so storytelling, you know, Walt Disney said people, people think in pictures. One of the things when I'm training people how to speak, I say, you know, I've actually never written a speech in my life. I just illegally download images off of Google and create yeah. a PowerPoint. And then those pictures guide me on where I want to go with my stories.
1: Two great points there. Yes. If people would understand that PowerPoint just needs to be an image or a, a simple quote or something, and then you just speak from the heart, you know, what you know, it, it just be so much better. Absolutely. The, the second thing you talked about storytelling and, and going back to our rule for our, our helping executives and entrepreneurs is you know, a, a business, if you're trying to get a point across, if you're trying to motivate your group or, or get them fired up to do 110%, think of the stories that you could tell to make them. They'll so much more respond to that than if you just, you know, tell them this is the fact, the number that you have to hit
2: know yeah, read read team of rivals by doris kearns goodwin yeah. about lincoln lincoln at uh, cabinet meetings during the civil war to uh lighten the mood he'd always tell a story and it, yeah. it always changed everything i mean that that's my my favorite story that he told was uh ethan allen one of the founding fathers was uh appointed to be an ambassador to to britain and these these british soldiers they decided to uh uh to play a joke on him and so in the latrine they posted a, <laughs> a painting of uh of uh, general george washington and uh so they're playing cards with ethan allen and waiting for him to have to do his business he goes out to the train he comes back and they're like uh did you go to the train he's like yes i did And they're like did you see the painting of president washington he's like why yes and they were kind of dumbfounded they're like that didn't insult you he's like not at all every american knows the sight of george washington scares the crap out of the british How do you not love that guy? <laughs> he used a stronger word than I did, by the way.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, the next is motivation. What
2: Motivation. Um, you know, one of my mentors was Zig Ziglar. And uh, I, whenever I think of motivation, he says, motivation is like bathing. It's temporary. That's why we suggest you do it regularly. That's why uh, your audience is wise to listen to your podcast to keep that positive Uh, frame of mind.
1: What is the one thing you still want to do?
2: I still want to go to South Africa. That's a place I've always wanted to go to.
1: Okay, and the favorite book of all time?
2: Well, that's tough. There's so many different genres and everything. I'm going to give you uh, one book that I always absolutely loved was uh, when I read uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. That was the first book that I had to put down almost every page because I was laughing so hard. It's one of the most... And he died way too young, uh, just a brilliant writer. I read anything Douglas Adams ever wrote. Uh, yeah, that would be the one uh, of anyone. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to give you the standard, the Bible, the Constitution. People say <laughs> these things.
1: <laughs> I know when my youngest introduced me to that, I was like, oh, what? And then I read it with her. And I, I just, like you said, it's just a great book.
2: A um, wonderful book, wonderful book. <laughs>
1: This is time for me to warn all those that are just listening in to grab your pencil and paper if you haven't already done so, which you should have because there was such great stuff being given today. But I'm going to share a screenshot of uh, the contact information.
2: Yeah, and while you're sharing that, I'll just tell everybody uh, the most important website there is uh, if you go to freegiftfromdanny.com, again, freegiftfromdanny.com. I'm going to give everybody two, two gifts for enduring my storytelling today. First <laughs> of all, I'm going to give everybody a complimentary e copy of my book, Read, Lead, and Succeed. This is a book I wrote for a school principal who was trying to keep his faculty and staff positively engaged. So I said, okay, I'll write you a book. So every week I give you a concept an inspirational quote, an inspirational story, a book recommendation on a book you should read, but you're probably too lazy because you're an adult. So I also give you a children's picture book recommendation that demonstrates the same concept. You can read that in five minutes. And I'm also (laughs) going to give you all access to uh, a five-day reading challenge I did online last summer for about 700 parents worldwide, where every day for five consecutive days, you'll be with me for an hour. And I'll be giving you all kinds of tips on how to get your kid excited about reading. Because the more excited you get your kid to read, the more likely they are to read. And the more you read, the better you get. Those are my gifts. To you a free gift from danny.com and I just really appreciate you having me today, Vicki.
1: Awesome. So his website is dannybrussel.com and he's on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. Just search his name, you will find him. It has been such a pleasure. I
2: could Vicky, talk you. are to- wonderful. I, I can just listen to you all day. I know I could you. talk
1: to you for hours and hours. <laughs> we'll have to do this again because Absolutely. Um, Coffee talk. You know. <laughs> yeah, so we, we haven't even talked about, you know, I do I work with the youth to help them to be better speakers and, and leaders. I love that. I
2: love that. We and, should, we should tackle it when they're young. Cause yeah. uh, the more I watch uh, elected officials speak, I'm like, wow, they're not teaching something in school. So.
1: Yeah. The, the other group that I want to work with is the athletes. Uh, mm. I, you know, that are, are making a name for themselves with their skills. But when you put a microphone in front of, of them, they don't do such a great job. So yeah. I'd, I'd yeah. love to do that. Well, It has been just such a great pleasure to have you on and uh, to hear your wisdom and your humor. And it it just was so enjoyable. But as always, I end with um, remembering that life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Netling signing off